You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. It's uh, coming up to the last weekend of Ramadan and you're listening to a slightly different um couple of shows tonight and tomorrow night. Uh we had been um doing the Cradle to the Grave series uh, every, over the many weekends and covering many different topics that are relevant with four people and very blessed to have Sheikh uh, Amr Jamil. This weekend we've still got Sheikh Amr but we're going to add uh a couple of different um flavor to the show so tonight we're talking about uh the change for life how do we maintain the spirit of ramadan for the whole year so hopefully adding a bit more of a spiritual element and thinking ahead now that we're at the last f- few moments of ramadan so sheikh amar assalamu alaikum and welcome assalamu alaikum rahmatullah so i guess these last few days that people are quite you get a lot of text messages etc about places um that are finishing off the Quran for khatams and um there's a special status uh, in terms of you know it's a real blessed when these places have finished off the Quran and the dua as well um can you just reflect a bit on that because i know i actually know some brothers whenever it's about you know 10 ten, ten days to go every year they say where's the khatam and they almost do a khatam crawl around the mosques just to get the dua but it's a very special significance doesn't it Yeah alhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah um yeah you're quite right um and uh, it's because we're into the the last 10 days obviously many uh, mosques if not most have been reading the Quran and doing a khatam and um what they try to do is they try and coincide it with the odd nights because the likelihood of one of them being laylatul qadr they also uh, thankfully space them out so they all know that most Uh, or some mosques are going to go for 27th night so some of them will do it in the 21st I mean I went to one the 21st night um in our locality we did it in the 25th night there's a number on the 27th and there's actually a number tonight because any of them it could be possibly laylatul qadr which is the best night of the year khairun min alf shahr which is better than a thousand months which is 83 uh, something years now it actually says khairun which means it's actually better than that it's not equivalent to it. it's actually more than that so obviously any action you do is multiply that by that much time uh time period so obviously you want to catch that night and our night is very short we from maghrib to to fajr is what two hours five sorry four hours um so it's not long i mean by the time you've had your iftar went to the mosque prayed come back it's not much so um a lot of the mosques will try and coincide it with laylatul qadr now that show when you finish the quran there's a narration by that's the anas um, one of the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam whenever he would finish the quran he would gather his family together and they would uh, make dua so a lot of ulama conclude that it's mustahab it's, it's recommended to make dua and it's believed to be one of the times when dua is accepted so you find that when is a khatam al quran the mosque will be very busy um So that's why you find that a lot of people will try to do the khatm al-Quran in the odd nights of Ramadan and obviously this could be the night of power khairun min al-fishar it could be a better than 83 to 83 years and 4 months and uh, it can also possibly our be our last night of Ramadan if either Sunday and it will be for some people because they've already announced that um it will be their last night of ramadan and actually i was praying tarawih there and 
I think the second or fourth rakah I felt a sadness mm. I had a, re- a real sadness Because I thought This could be my last tarawih of this year yeah. And I, was, I actually felt sad in the salah And I think that's something I, I've noticed as well Certainly when um, some places finish the tarawih You know on you know sometimes it's before the twenty seventh night and you know it might be other nights. You also find almost people stop going and stop you know they take the foot off the gas in the last you know if some place had finished maybe about a week ago or five six days ago and you almost think actually everyone just stopped coming for, you know to read Isha together stop reading Tarawih and actually this you know it's kind of squeezing the last it's like a lemon isn't it it's squeezing yeah. the last few moments and people have just. T- t- you know, took the, take the foot off the gas and say, "Okay, I've done my khatam. I've got five days left. I'll just stay at home and chill now, or get back to usual, or get ready for Eid." It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? That whole yeah. And th- and this is where um, there's two things we should keep in mind. First is if you ever go to khatam Quran, they never just finished on Surah Nas. They will always read the beginning of Surah Baqarah again, Alif Lam Mim Dalikil Bafi. And the reason they re- recite the first, they go back to the beginning again, is because it's the Quran is supposed to be read time and time and time again. It's not supposed to be done once, and this is a failing in our mentality. Even when we when we have kid, kid classes, what do we do? Kid finishes the Quran, they've read the Quran. We we have a celebration, saying, "Okay, that's it. I've done my bit." That's just the first, the first the, your first khatam in your life. You're supposed to do khatam after khatam after khatam after khatam. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, the especially in particular the last. The last night is very important of Ramadan Because there's a hadith I actually put on my Facebook today That um, when it comes to the end of Ramadan The last night Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically forgives everybody In that night And the sahaba said Is it because it's Laytul Qadr? And he said no He said it's, is, it, is it not um, logical or is it not You know, What do you think? When should you get paid? You get paid once you've done a hard day's work And so a month's you know, effort Come to an end, and therefore uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala shows His generosity by by um, by uh, um, forgiving people. There's actually a narration by Haqi, which um, some some say the the, the narration is, is is okay. There's other um, forms of the narration which are are definitely weak or fabricated, but this one in by Haqi is, is reasonably um, uh, a reasonable narration, which says that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala every night. Um, freeze or for, freeze either freeze from the fire forgives sixty thousand people, and then on the, the last night he frees as many people in the last twenty nine days. So it's basically a very prestigious night. So this last night of Ramadan, the last day of Ramadan, like you said, uh, it's about pushing the accelerator. The hadith inna mal a'malu bil khawatim actions are but by their ends. So it's all about how you end. And I actually made a, a video very recently, um, a Good Life uh, series. I made a video about that. I can't remember what I called it now, but basically, it's uh, it's something about along the lines of it's not how you start, it's how how you finish. So you can be a slow starter, but you can finish on a positive finish on a high. Someone can be born non-Muslim, but a couple of months before they they pass away, they become Muslim. I knew. Her, uh, one of my uh, scholarly friends, Sheikh Bilal in Oldham, uh, put up a post a couple of months ago about some brother who became Muslim at the age of 94. Wow. And then fun. a few months later passed away. So, you know, you, <laughs> uh, you, you can, and, and what's going to count, count is those last three months. 
because from the time he became Muslim, his sins were zero. And so in three months at 94, how many sins are you going to do? So it's all about the the end of the month. And even the the, the night preceding Eid, a lot of people just spend it eating and, and having a laugh. <laughs> but it's actually it's that hadith, although it's weak, we can use weak hadith when it comes to virtues. Uh, along the lines of whoever gives life to the night before Eid, in other words, you know, does a worship on it. Then Allah will give light to the, uh, Allah will give life to the hearts the day that hearts um, are dead. And so, what what is the, some of the sort of beneficial things and activities we should be doing in the last few hours, the last day or two um, before uh, Ramadan is over? Um, obviously, continuing what you've already been doing, like you said, people who were going to the mosque and then all of a sudden after the Khatm of the Quran stopped going, that's obviously wrong. You should keep going until the very end. Uh, keep reading Quran, keep doing all the things you are doing and also have a reflection uh, see that one thing that the people a lot of times forget is that when you think of, of ibadah, the word ibadah worship what do you think of? You think of salah you think of reading Quran you think of fasting Ramadan these are all acts of worship but um, in reality acts of worship are, are many so uh, seeking knowledge so engaging in learning, teaching is an act of worship. Uh, getting married, if it's done with the right intention, can be an act of worship. And also, just reflecting. We have dhikr. Everyone knows what dhikr is. Dhikr is remembrance of Allah. So saying subhanAllah, saying astaghfirullah, say la ilaha illa, as you're walking about, reflecting on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, just saying, the, the, doing the dhikr. The second a lot of people don't tend to do as much of is fikr. So this is dhikr and this fikr. Dhikr is remembering Allah. Fikr is contemplation, pondering. And the, and the Quran talks about this. Quran. Do they not ponder do they not ponder on the Quran? Do they not look at the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in the creation? So there's an aspect of pondering, reflection. And you don't have to do anything. You could be sitting silently. But you could be just Closed your eyes, you could be thinking Or you could be just looking outside the window Whatever it is But you can be reflecting upon life Reflecting upon how old you are now What have I have achieved with my life so far um, Will I see to, will I, How many more Ramadans will I get to see How many more opportunities will I get Should I change my ways Is there things I still want to get done in my life um, Reflecting on people that have passed away this year That could be me Reflecting on your children uh, reflecting on your community So just general reflection General contemplation um, About life, about yourself About the ummah, everything That in itself is an act of worship And that's really difficult If, you've, if you don't have a way of doing it Isn't it? Because there's so many distractions Whether it's our phone or TV Or day to day stuff, isn't it? I guess, are there certain Circumstances or environmental Things you can do to help you reflect I mean for me it's always been it's almost breathtaking it's when you, when you go, into, go out into nature you know you go you know I haven't climbed that many hills recently but you know when you're out you know you're at a lake or you're at somewhere natural and it almost takes your breath away sometimes when you sit and certainly I, I find that's when you sort of, I tend to ponder a bit more but I guess that you know are there certain things because if you're in the house and the phone's buzzing and the TVs and the kids are doing this that you know that 
for many people that's really still a diff- difficult well, time so is, is there some tips you could give in terms yeah, of yeah so so um i think you're right one of the one of the things that you can do is get into nature the thing with nature is that you're exposed to the elements and um if you're for example if you're in a ship and you're in a, a storm you're really going to feel the the qudra of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you know that <laughs> i might be gone here um if you're in a desert and a sandstorm comes you're going to feel Allah's power so you feel Allah's power when you're in creation you feel you see the, the sunrise you see all these things you you look around at creation you can hear things you you can pay pay attention to how the trees are how the birds are singing and so on and then when even Dr. Asim that came recently I was going to mention that example he, he, really said, he, he actually said that you know from time to time get out and go and do wudu from a stream and pray yeah. and you'll see the difference and anyone has done wudu from a stream and then prayed feels the difference it's a different feeling so um i mean even you look at the prophet's mosque when he when they prostrated it was on earth what do we prostrate on carpet yeah it's not it's not it's not natural so this is a problem you have to go into nature if you also reflect upon the life of the prophet sallam what is it that he used to do before the the birth of the um giving being given the pro- prophecy he was going out to garahira yeah. Why was he going to Karahira? What was the purpose? Because he was wanting to get away from the hustle, and that's then. Think about no electricity, mm-hmm. no internet, no, no clock tower, no, no clock tower, none of these things, right? N- lights, all that kind of stuff. There's no distractions yet. The Prophet Sallam, and if anyone's been to Karahira, it's a fair distance from Makkah. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not like a, a mile away. It's amazing, isn't it? You, you can almost see directly. Okay, isn't it? Well, I did Umrah in nineteen ninety seven with my father, Rahimullah, and um I remember when we went to Ghadihira, you could actually see the Kaaba from the little gap through the, the stone in the Ghadihira and which is one of the reasons the scholars said that the Prophet chose that particular um cave because he could still see the Kaaba from it. I went recently and unfortunately all you see is a clock tower now. Yes. It's a bit so it's a bit of a side point, but it struck me when I went is um clock no <laughs> no no Garihira is that it was, so, it was so messy right loads of water bottles there were just chucked and then people were just praying all in weird diff- different directions <laughs> in the cave or towards the cave and people s- inscribing on the walls so I guess it's you know people's level of knowledge and stuff but you know I know it's a special place but it's you see all this weird stuff but I guess it's that idea of reflection isn't it um and I think, because actually, it's mindfulness. I don't know if you're aware of mindfulness. Mm. It's, it's very fashionable at the moment. You know, a lot of, you know, and a lot of that is sort of from Buddhist traditions and that art of meditation, really. Um, and although this is not a spiritual thing, but that even t- learning techniques to focus on your breathing, to you know, get yourself and be aware of your surroundings. And I remember somebody was telling me once is that, you know, they were on the daily commute, you know, to work and back. And so what they did, you know, did sometimes, they just turned the radio off because, you know, people listen to the radio, Radio 4 or 5 or music, whatever. And turned it off and just started observing everything that was going on around them. And even that is a moment of reflection, isn't it? And it's kind of looking at, you know, it's not about saying go to the hills every day, you know, but it's, no, no, it's finding you, you that can, yeah, moment you can, in your life. You can, as long as you find that moment whenever, I mean, Imam Ghazali talks about muhasaba taking yourself into account and he says at the end of the day sit down somewhere quiet 
there's no one there to disturb you and just have five, ten minutes to yourself. And he says what you do is you reflect on your day. How was my day? You may have had an argument with somebody at work and then you reflect where you write and, and saying what you said. M maybe you said something you should apologise for. And basically saying you take yourself into account and then so the next day into work you'd go and say Look, I apologise for what I said yesterday. And so he's saying that you keep yourself into account. Now that is a beautiful simple thing that everyone can do. Five minutes is not much. At the end of the day when you're winding down you can go everyone can find five minutes right so that's one um one very easy tip from Mama Ghazali. second like you said there's opportunities for contemplation all the time it's just that we don't take them so you see people now they're walking down the street they've got their earphones on they're talking away um all that you said they're on the f they're on in the car they're, they're having phone conversations or listening to the radio one of the times I get time for contemplation is when I go down to teach in, in England because it's a three hour, four hour journey and um, I actually enjoy just being by myself and just driving and three hours of thinking time. Mm. I, I get I get to think about so many things, so many things come to me, I get so many ideas, um, you know obviously chain of thought goes all over the place but it's a really, I, I find it a very productive journey it's actually interesting I mean I've got a bit of a theory why people don't because even find that five minutes because I think when you when you reflect when you're on your own sometimes there's bits of you that you don't like about yourself mm. and when you're having to reflect on that it's quite uncomfortable actually because there might be things that you're doing might be things that you've done might be things that you're thinking about that actually if you started to think about them yeah, you you would feel uncomfortable, or you actually might up, you know disgust yourself a little bit. So you you avoid doing that by keeping yourself busy and all the other worldly distractions. So you, you almost don't want to reflect because what you might find is actually something you might not like about that's, yourself. That's like that's like saying I'm overweight, but I don't want to look in the mirror, yeah. or I don't want to weigh myself right because I don't want to face reality. But the thing is, the the the, the quicker you get over that and do it the more likely you're going to do something about it. So it's about understanding that that's not a beneficial mindset. Um, you sometimes have to face the skeletons in the cupboard. Yeah. To, and, and and as you know um, from your work, um, sometimes there's, there's, there's things in our experience. If we don't deal with them, they don't go away. They're somewhere there lingering in the back and at some point they might jump out. Come to the fore, yeah. Yeah. Um, so an event makes it come to the fore. So it's about dealing with dealing with your past dealing with um uh, and this is the beauty of 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 the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this religion is that for me one of the uh, the most positive um things i find so much hope in is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you an opportunity every time every time it's ramadan every juma there's an opportunity every night for example every night of the day uh, every day that you, you, you're living every night there's an opportunity in the last third of the night so that is an opportunity that we all have to mend our ways at any at any any point doesn't matter what you've been doing with your life doesn't matter how you've been living Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us that opportunity he, he leaves the door open so the door is always open with, with God and that's a personal thing, it's an intimate thing you don't need to, unlike um, other faiths we don't have to go through a person we don't have to go and give our confessions to an imam you can just you make your own confessions with with God, 
you between him and just say, look, um, God, I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. I'm weak. You're you're powerful. Give me strength. I want to change my ways. And, and that's it. And, and you basically make amends with, with, with your creator. You try to become a better person. You regret, obviously, what's happened in the past, but then you try to do as many good deeds to wipe out those bad days. And that's it, alhamdulillah. So that's something I'd like to explore a bit further, Sheikh. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to myself and Sheikh Amr Jamil, and we've got um, Umran as well in the studio. Uh, we're talking, it's slightly different this weekend. We're talking about change for life. So, how do we maintain this whole Ramadan spirit uh, throughout the rest of the year? How can we keep the same motivation that we had in Ramadan throughout the year? I sometimes realize track spiritually. Is there anything that we can do throughout the year to prepare ourselves for next year's Ramadan so when time comes we are spiritually and physically prepared? Jis tari kaise hum charity dete hain Ramadan mein, isko kaise hum jari rakhe puri saal mein? So one of the things, uh, Sheikh, that was mentioned, the Vox Pop, was um, about how do you maintain that motivation throughout the rest of the year. So what advice um, can you give in terms of maintaining some of the positive habits and spirits of Ramadan and uh, kind of making them long-lasting and keep... Because obviously Ramadan, there's a big buzz. It's something about Ramadan itself. And you, you even after Eid, it's, you know, your motivation gets affected. So how do you maintain some of these good habits and... Um, activities that we've been doing throughout the whole year Yeah, so um, I, I mean the first thing is we have to be realistic, uh, there is something special about Ramadan um, there's a certain blessing, there's a certain help that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you don't find any other time of the year it's like going to Umrah or doing Hajj when you go to Mecca, you go to Medina these are, these are, these are blessed places um, and so you're not going to feel the same being in, in Glasgow versus Mecca. That's just natural. Uh, similarly, you're not going to feel the same in Ramadan than you do outside Ramadan. However, what Ramadan does, what Umrah, all these things do, is that they give you a charge. They charge you up. They give you a boost, which keeps you then going, hopefully, for uh, a good part of the year. So Ramadan gives you this boost and uh, keeps you going for, inshallah, uh, months and uh, hopefully until the next Ramadan comes back um, but what Ramadan illustrates to you as a person things that you think were not possible are possible so before Ramadan you think oh my god 19 hours, how am I going to fast 19 hours, go to work, do this, do that pray tarawih. but then lo and behold a Ramadan comes and you do find a way, you do find somehow of doing it um, you think I can't, you know, I can't give up smoking. Ramadan comes, you can give up smoking for 19 hours in a day. You are addicted to TV or whatever it is, and then you make a pact with yourself that this Ramadan I'm not going to watch TV, and you manage to do it. So, um, you know, all those, all those things, they are proving to you that you have the ability, if you wish to, choose to do so. So that means that the power is within you. Uh, you can't blame society, you can't blame your family, you can't blame other people. The power is within yourself. If you really want to make a change, 
and uh, Ramadan is is one of those times that a lot of people do do tawbah, a lot of people do repent and change their ways uh, in Ramadan. So if you're not praying, you make a pact to start praying. If you are praying, you make a pact to start doing extra. If you're involved in a particular sin, you you make a pact that I'm going to give up this particular sin. So that's the first thing. You make a, some sort of resolution with yourself. What am I going to do for the next year? Second thing is the link with the Quran should not stop. So most of us will have read a significant portion, probably more Quran in Ramadan than you do outside Ramadan. Uh, what you have to try and do is keep a connection to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So make uh, a pact with yourself that I'm going to read, for example, one chapter every day. If that's too much, half a chapter. Too much, quarter. That's too much a page if that's too much make a pack that you read one line and everyone can read one line okay you have phones you have iPads you have all sorts of things you can get access to the Quran anywhere so even though it's the worst day you're having the worst day and you're exhausted and there's, there's nothing left in you you can at least open up and read one line so you make uh, a pact with yourself I'm going to read this is my minimum every day I'll try and do as much as possible but this is a, the, the, the minimum that I'll never go below uh, then also um, creating the environment around yourself. So what what is different different about Ramadan? Well, like I said, you've probably cut down on TV. You've probably cut down on social media. You've probably cut down um, on all the other things that you are probably doing. Um, and what have you increased? You've increased going to the mosque. You've increased uh, doing ibadah. So it's about uh, those habits that you've created trying to, maybe not to the same extent and, that, that, and that, that's just me being pragmatic but at least some essence of it is there at the, 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 in, the in the rest of the year so like I said, you read a little bit of Quran every day, a little bit of dhikr um, the mosque, okay you were going maybe four or five times a day you were going Ramadan, make a pact that I will try to go to my local mosque at least once a day um, or once every, every two days or whatever it is, you make uh, a pact with yourself that I'm going to do this amount every week and then that basically becomes your target so give yourself a target um, and lastly um, like I said it's about the environment you're going to create for yourself you created a certain environment in Ramadan create your own environment outside Ramadan and one of the best ways of doing that is about uh, the people you surround yourself with so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran Ya ladina amanu taqullah O who you believe who have God consciousness, be with the righteous. It doesn't say it's recommended or it's good or it says be, it's an order. Just be with the righteous because if you're with the righteous, you'll be fine. If you're with a group of 20 people and they all pray and you're not the one praying, eventually you end up praying because they're going to say it's time for Salah. Whereas if you flip it, you're the only one that prays and there's 19 people that don't pray. They might say to you, oh yeah, you know, just leave it, we'll pray later, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you might miss your prayers. So it's all about the people that you have around you. And you have to look at it in terms of benefit. If these people are not benefiting you in your faith and taking you towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need, you need to lose them. You need to get rid of them. Not get rid of them, but replace them or reduce your time that you spend with them. And choose to be with other people who are going to help you in that journey. Sheikh, could you reflect a little bit on this concept of tawbah or repentance? Because um, for me, one of the beauties of Islam is that it's never too late to change. You know, and that's um, you give the example earlier on of this ninety-four-year-old person that you know accepted Islam. But for many of us, 
even if it's one day to go of Ramadan or even after Ramadan, um, it's never too late to change and and you know start afresh, isn't it? And so this concept of tawbah, can you talk a bit about what is it, what it means, and how do you make tawbah, and what are the conditions or the criteria that if we've you know if there are bad habits that we do, there are certain things that we do. How do we turn things around? How do we make a fresh start? Draw a line under whatever you know sins or bad practices you know that we we, we normally do. How do we make that change? Uh, yeah, so tawbah, like I said before, it's probably one of the most beautiful aspects of our our faith. That, like you said, there's never it's never too late. Um, it doesn't matter how you've lived your life. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. And some people fall into despair, and you should never fall to despair because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala actually says, "Yeah, yeah, Oh, my slaves who have transgressed against themselves. In other words, sinned. لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله. Don't despair in the rahmah of Allah, the mercy of Allah. إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala can forgive all sins. So, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is able to do what He wants. Uh, no sin, uh, no matter how big your sin is, always remember that God's mercy is greater. And we all know the the hadith about the man who killed ninety nine people, and then went to someone and said, "Is a tawbah for me?" He said, "No." So we killed him. And made it uh, a century um, And then he goes to somebody And he says yes there is If you go to a certain place Do tawbah and so on And we, we, we know the hadith And he eventually is um, Finds salvation So if somebody can Kill a hundred people And still uh, Find his way to God I mean <laughs> Most of us Were nowhere near that And uh, killing is one of the The, the, the most heinous uh, sins In fact I mean Some ulama are, are of the opinion that this that that sin is one sin which um, is not forgiven. There is a difference of opinion on on, on killing as per se because of the the havoc it creates in society. But um, the point is that the, there's always salvation. There's always uh, light at the end of the tunnel. You can always change your ways. And we know many people who you know, were were uh, criminals in the early part of their lives, and then they they, they change their ways. Malcolm X. Is an example. The scholars, uh, um, there's a, um, some of the scholars of the past who were actually didn't have such a great start in life. There's one I mentioned in one of my videos recently who was actually a highway robber, he used, and people were scared of him. And he, he didn't talk about when he heard a verse of the Quran and he was climbing on the walls and he changed his ways, and then he became a scholar. And so we now remember him as the scholar, not the criminal. So there's always uh, room, there's always um, a, a way back to God if you so choose. So it's all about choice, it's all about what you want, how, where, where, which direction you want to go in. Because God's just and God will um, take us to account for our choices. The choices are all there. There's a, a story of uh, a man who sends his... Um, sons to, to Egypt and um, comes back and says how did you find it so he asks one and one of them says oh it was terrible there was like prostitution there was alcohol going on there was this that next things the other, the other son he says how did you find it he goes Egypt was amazing he goes it was mosques there was like circles of knowledge going on there's all these like great scholars there's this there's that so the the, the father says to the, the the one who saw everything, uh, who reported back everything negatively, said he said you lo- you went looking for the the bad, so you found the bad. 
He said to the other one, he goes, you went looking for the good, so you found the good. Meaning that, like I said before, it's up to you. You have the choice. You can create whatever environment you want for yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves the door open, but we have to choose to take that step. And if we do that, we'll find that God is forgiving, God is generous, um, and God is merciful. And what do I mean, suppose somebody wants to make that change and seek forgiveness for some, you know, when their previous bad habits or something that they do. I mean, what are the steps along the way? What do you need to do? If you say, okay, I feel really bad about something I've done, um, do I just make dua and say, Allah forgive me and move on? Or what do you do? How do you? Well, there's conditions, there's conditions for tawbah. So there's three conditions if it's if you've transgressed against God, four if it's against the creation. So if it's God, you basically first of all have to have regret. So you regret what's happened. Um, two, you have resolve. And uh, three, you make a, 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 a pact with yourself that you're not going to go back to doing that again. So in other words, I'm not going to do it again. So I'm not going to do this again. So you're sincere. Um, you regret what you've done. You um, make a pact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I won't do it again. Even if you end up doing it, but the, the point is intentions not to do it. Th- that's that's an, that's sufficient, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can forgive. And the hadith says, "Attaibumina The one who repents from a sin is if he didn't sin. In other words, Allah can wipe. Not even the du'a that we talked about um, that is taught to Sayyidina Aisha by the Prophet to be read on the Laytul Qadr. Allahumma inna ka'afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anni Oh Allah um, the, the, You could say the obliterator of sins I mean you can translate it as, 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 as a forgiver But afu basically means this complete like wiping away um, That you love, you love to, to do this type of wiping of sins And therefore wipe my sins away As, it, as if it never happened As if it never happened As if it, it just it didn't exist so uh, that's a beautiful dua which we not only should read in Rayl Qadr, we should read that all the time. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the, this ability to do what He wants. He can wipe your sins away if He so chooses. And we should always, ha- always have hope in Allah. Then the second aspect is if it's against another person. So you need to have all these three conditions and an additional condition. The additional condition is you have to undo the wrong. So if you stole money from somebody, you need to give that money back. If you um, damage their reputation by spreading lies, you need to undo that. You need to. So if you um, gave somebody the impression that this person is really bad, you need to go back and say, actually, I got it wrong. The person's actually, I was wrong in saying what I said. That's often the tricky one, isn't it? Is that they often give about backbiting if you're saying bad things about somebody. Even if it was years ago, I mean, the per- maybe the person didn't know it was you. Do you go to them and say, "By the way, you know, this is what I was saying about you," and whether that causes more harm or do you use other methods to inflate their? Imam Ghazali talks about this. He says that if if you feel that it's going to inflate the situation, it's going to make things worse, then uh, what you should do is, um, if you feel that it's going to make the situation worse. If you feel that it's going to make the situation worse, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Uh, Apologise, I'm just being a bit distracted there. So if you feel that the the situation's um, 
going to get worse than what Imam Ghazali says is that you shouldn't bring up with a person but what you should do is try to undo the harm by for example starting to praise the person in front of other people and make dua for that person uh, maybe give sadaqah in their name doing all these other things and if the person's passed away then you basically just make dua for them so it's a judgment call you have to make you have to make a judgment call if you feel that um, it's going to make the situation worse and also uh, you know maybe you can uh, like I said maybe say maybe give them a gift or something something to increase try and make amends and yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so um Khair Sheikh so uh, Umran I just wanted to I wonder from your perspective um, has there been a particular Ramadan that has stood out for you in terms of uh, often when you speak to people I know when I've spoken to people in the past they said look that this was a really special Ramadan or I got so much out of this Ramadan compared to other Ramadans and it's almost a benchmark you compare your other Ramadans to um, I mean have the, is there anything that comes to mind for you that there's a particular Ramadan that had a big impact or you really use that opportunity to change and that really helped um, I think um, for me the highlight would be um, being in Medina three years ago with Sheikh Amr and I Silva Sumra so we only had the beginning of Ramadan we caught Ramadan at the start so I've never been in a Muslim country when there's been Ramadan and the experience of opening your fast in Medina um, it was just amazing Can you describe numbers. it what was it for people that I think um, one is just the hospitality you feel everybody wants you to sit with them everybody's literally holding your hand and taking you and asking you to sit with them open their fast with them very simple you know bread dates yogurt but it was just so beautiful and it was a phenomenal achievement to clear up and just get ready for prayer in that time frame we're talking close to a million people in the entire courtyard inside the masjid and it was just this buzz this, this atmosphere it's it was amazing i was with my family so i had um, four of my children um, with me Ibrahim was just two months old when we took him Gosh. and alhamdulillah he's been back again since then so he's been twice in, in three years and it was just a beautiful thing I've never been like I said in a Muslim country um, so that that just yeah. sticks out it was amazing to and then obviously that. the Tarawih and everything there yeah, and the, the recitation in Medina is my favourite anyway so yeah. um, I prefer it over Makkah Makkah is amazing but Medina just has something slightly yeah. different I've also been fortunate to do itikaf, so every time I've done itikaf, five times, um, you know, you get a lot done, so you literally devote yourself, and if anybody hasn't done that, then they should make intention to do that next year, because um, it just totally cuts you off from everything, and you do so much about it, about it, you never have a chance to do, total isolation, you get the Lelatul Qadr, because you every night you're at it 100%, 110%, so every one of the Ramadans I've done itikaf, I've been fortunate enough. I think you come away with that. And how feeling. do you cope with uh, when you come out of itikaf, and I guess after Eid? I mean, I, in a in a parallel way, when um, when we went to Hajj, you know, I always call it the post Hajj depression. Yeah. Whenever you come back from Hajj, everyone's really depressed. Where have I come back to? Right? What is this situation? Why do I live here? I'm going to move to, you know, you get that kind of real down, and then you kind of pick yourself up and reflect. So, is there an element of that after you come out of the calf and you thought? Absolutely. I was just going to say that it's that feeling when you come back from when I came back from Hajj or when I came back from Umrah 
um, is a depression because you just see everything you see the rat race and you're just back to normal yeah. so yeah there's that gloom and doom but within a few days it's kind of gone and you're back to your normal routine but any tips that you've learned over the years that helps you maintain any sort of improvements or anything you've done with in the for example the Takaf or in Ramadan and I maintain that throughout the year what Sheikh said just anything you can maintain if you prayed more in Jummah then try and join one um, of the Salahs each day in Jummah small change big difference oh yeah <laughs> take your so, pen you peel hat off um, man yeah, that, that's a cheap plug <laughs> I think I think it's it's, it's a sunnah yeah, you know yeah. to make a regular activity yeah. even though it's small I think that is the key yeah um, and that isn't a cheap reference to any yeah. charity there's other charities out there too but small changes so you yeah. can do it so even just reciting like the sheikh said one line everybody can recite one line whatever it is that you can manage make yeah. that small change and then build on it sheikh has there been a most memorable ramadan for you uh, you've been abroad a lot as well and, yeah, and yeah. is there one that or was it in glasgow is it is it what's your most memorable ramadan uh, just before just um, taking up what Umran was saying uh, I just remember the hadith it's Ahabul Amali Allah the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Adwamuha they're the ones that are continuous even if they're small so to do a small amount every day is better than a large amount once a week so to read say for example um, if you read one page a day of Quran it's better to do that rather than read seven seven pages on a Friday only so to split it up over um, the, 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 the each day is actually better so we should try and do a small amount every day rather than just doing chunks uh, so that's a, that would be the first thing I mean in terms of Ramadans uh, Alhamdulillah I've been in different countries for Ramadan um, I've been here I've been uh, other places as well uh, there is a definite difference between doing Ramadan in, an, in, in like a place like this or doing it in a Muslim country. I mean, I've been Syria. I've been, I've done it in the Haram. Uh, I've been in Masjid Al-Aqsa. Uh, I've done it in Yemen. So I've done it in different places. Ramadan in these places is completely different. Uh, completely different. The whole country is fasting. So you know, you see, like for example, in the morning after Fajr is dead. Like everybody's gone home. That kind of thing. You know, when the when the road's dead. When does the roads get busy here? The roads get busy here every single day at five o'clock. That's going to be the same in Ramadan, outside Ramadan. Whereas in uh, the Muslim countries, the rush hour is the one hour before iftar. <laughs> when <clears throat> you can see everyone's got their, you know, people got their food and stuff, and they're in the vans and everyone's looking at the watch, right? <laughs> and and uh, what happens is the the in Damascus used to be like minibuses with the with the buses. And like the drivers are driving like maniacs, you know what I mean? Hooting the horn, you know, and you can see everyone's got like 20 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, everyone's like rushing. And then <clears throat> about one minute to Maghrib, it's complete silence. Really? I remember in Damascus, I remember walking down to the mosque and you couldn't hear anything apart from uh, spoons hitting the, the plate, you know, tick, 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 yeah. that noise. That's all you could hear. So everyone's eating in it. Wow. So that that's what I'm saying. That you will not get in any uh, any place. And then obviously the multiple adhans going on, tarawih prayers everywhere. Um, you see that 
everything comes to life at night time. Then, I was, then they're up all night then, aren't they? Well, in Yemen, I mean, I, enjoy, I really enjoyed the, the Ramadans in, in Yemen because the place I was in, what they used to do is they used to turn the day around. So <clears throat> they would spend the entire night up um, and they would go to sleep after Fajr. So from Fajr to like Dhuhr, they would, they would, they would sleep. Or maybe they'd try to play the Dhuhr slightly later. So you get your sleep in between Fajr and Dhuhr. You'd get up. Um, pray Dhuhr and then you had maybe a, a couple hours until Asr the shops would maybe open for an hour or something um, maybe open for Asr after Asr and then they would they would close again and then obviously it would be it'd be Maghrib and then the shops were closed until after Isha after Isha up until about 1 in the morning so you got like kids running about remember there's no school there's no school in Ramadan everything stops, everything stops. no school in Ramadan some people take I remember when we were in uh, Yemen one year I was there there was no bread because the bakery just shut <laughs> it just shut for Ramadan what would you do in your, when you study would all your studies stop for Ramadan no it would, it would change so in, in Ramadan what we would do is so when I was in Yemen what we would do is um, the, 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 the there would be a dars after uh, Asr which um, I mean it's amazing actually how the shiok used to like teach like, this place is hot like, you're dehydrated doing nothing and they teach for like an hour um, but they would do a, a, maybe a particular book in Ramadan so in Ramadan they might just pick a specific book um, and then after Fajr there used to be a, a dars as well and in the middle of the night there would be a dars but what they would do is for example we would go over the chapters in fasting in, in Riyadh al-Saliheen um, we might do a particular um, tafsir book we would also do the chapter on fasting from a fiqh book so from a different fiqh book so it was all kind of geared around and obviously there's this Quran there's all sorts of other things and there's a lot of dhikr going on the other thing I remember was there was a lot of dhikr this was more specific I think to, to Yemen than other places but after every salah they used to and I I, 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 I really really enjoyed that experience I used to give me a spiritual boost within like 10 seconds um, and I actually still practice that here with my own family. So after every salah, they would say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, nastaghfirullah, nas'aluka al-jannata wa na'udhu bika min al-nar. The testification of faith, forgiveness from Allah, asking Allah for paradise, seeking refuge from the hellfire, say it three times. Then they would read the dua, Allahumma inna ka'afu wa tuhibbul afa fa'afu anna, three times. Then they'd finish with Ya Kareem. And they used to do that after every salah. And I just found that it just such a buzz when you got 300 400 people saying that at the same time it just woof, gives you a, a rush fantastic um and uh, in terms of this uh, continuing some of this the spirit of ramadan we know that there's a uh, the six fasts of shawal mm-hmm. can you just t- talk a bit about that in terms of their status and do they need to be together or throughout or what's and, and you know how highly encouraged are, th- are these fasts so um as we know we come out of Ramadan we've been fasting we've been doing all this worship there's this dip but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us something in the next month to keep us going a little bit and that is the six days of Shawwal so the next month is Shawwal I mean Eid is actually the first of Shawwal um, and there's a hadith that says Man sama Ramadan whoever fasted the month of Ramadan wa atba'ahu min Shawwal and then followed it up with six days of Shawwal kana kasiyam al-dahr it was as if he'd fast the whole year so some scholars say that this is because 
um, good deeds are multiplied by 10. So if you fast a month of Ramadan, it's like fasting 10 months. And then uh, 6 days times 10 is 60, which is 2 months. So it's like the year. So there's a lot of reward. Um, the good thing is that it can be done in any 6 days of the of the month. It doesn't have to be consecutive. Um, for, for ladies, for example, who were uh, menstruating and, and missed some fast, they can make a double intention. So they can make the intention of um, doing their qada, making their, their fasts up from menstruation that they've missed. Or if you've been travelling or something like that, and you can make the intention, it's for shawal as well, so you can do a double intention. So you can take a few days off Ramadan and then uh, do that. I know the days are long. I think some people are just you know, looking forward to Ramadan finishing, but I know the, day, the days are long, but there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of benefit. And if you've done it for 30 days, you know, keeping exactly. up the rhythm a little bit. And yeah, just, you know, if you've done it for 30 days, then it's very easy to do it for six. And again, when I was in Yemen, the difference was the place I was living, it was almost like it was fard. Like, they would have Eid, and then the next six days, it was just like Ramadan, everyone fasting again. And then after six days, they'd have another celebration. So it was just like amazing. You don't have that feeling here. It becomes easier if you're doing it with other people. Exactly. I mean, if, family if, and yeah, if, ever, if, yeah, if everyone's fasting, then you feel a bit weird not fasting. Yeah. And what about um, one of the things that was mentioned? So I guess it's maintaining the spirit of uh, fasting. But in Ramadan, there's also that spirit of charity and giving. Um, is there anything in terms of how we maintain that side of things? Because that was one of the questions in the Vox Pop was about uh, how do you keep the spirit of giving charity going throughout the year? Because we know a lot of people give charity in Ramadan. I mean, any tips you could give in terms of um, that's focus on on charity and yeah, so, giving? So um, the hadith says that, uh, that the Prophet ﷺ, he was the most generous of people. And he was the most generous in Ramadan So people will tend to give more in Ramadan A lot of people give their zakat and sadaqah But um, this is not restricted to Ramadan Ramadan is about fasting It's not particularly just about charity Sadaqah is something which is encouraged always Because there's many benefits of sadaqah um, Some types of sadaqah Just by doing sadaqah It uh, alleviates a certain tribulation or trials or, or bala uh, from a person the money from sadaqah doesn't decrease uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns it and and so uh, sadaqah should always be be given on a regular basis and there's uh, all these charities you can do like standing orders and stuff so it becomes a, a regular action because the encouragement is always to give regular small amounts uh, and I think that the, the, to be honest these days there's so many charities too many charities yeah, Imran. Do you agree, Imran? There's too many charities. Too many charities, Sheikh. Too many charities, and uh, everyone's after your money. So I think um, there's no harm. There's no. Uh, uh, I mean, you get opportunities to to get to give, and if you don't, then someday I'm sure will be harassing you by sending you texts and telling you there's a, a charity dinner or a fund raising or a Mendy thing or a I don't know paint face painting thing. There's always tons of things to do with charity. So I don't think there's. And you can keep it easily going. I think um, we should look upon these opportunity as opportunities, as opposed to different charities. So opportunities present themselves to give, to do extra. So I think that's the best way to look at this. Like, like, like. N- there's never enough too many. Mo- n- there's never, never enough uh, mosques. That kind of idea. That kind of idea, you know. But I think uh, cause if you if you don't know Umran, <laughs> the Scotland. Uh, 
manager of Penny Appeal, so slightly vested interest. But it's always good to I mean, dig deep and give as much as you can, isn't it? It's, it's all about digging deep. I yeah. think that's the key. That's the key. Yeah. Dig deep in your pockets. But let, let's move on from char- uh, charity shake and. Um, well, actually, it's probably another one for you. Is I guess think about Eid itself. You know, the first of Shawal. Um, Ran. I don't know if people still hire cars and drive up and down. I mean, they did it when Pakistan won the cricket, I think. But uh, does that still happen? Wilson Road and Wilson Albert Drive. Road, I think so. Albert Drive. They just closed off. So last year, I believe it just got closed off. So you couldn't do it. There's perhaps other areas, but Albert Drive was closed okay. off. There's but better ways to, to, to probably spend your money and time um, than driving up and down Albert Drive. Would you agree, Sheikh, or disagree? Are we allowed to t- <laughs> <laughs> put you on the spot here? Uh, the thing is, end of the day, you're not allowed to harm other people. Yeah. So if you're like doing wheel spins and... Uh, I mean, remember, it's not, it's not Eid for the vast majority population. We're only at one point five percent of the population. You've got your respect for everyone else. It's a just a, a normal day. Don't become a nuisance. Yeah, so don't become a nuisance. Don't become, you know, the next uh, uh, reason for UKIP to pop up in your area and say, "Vote for us." So what is what should you do in Eid? There's anything particular in terms of, you know, people spend a lot of family and friends. Um, I guess there's a lot of people that don't have family and friends. They might be travelling or students, etc. So. Um, what are some of the good things to do on Eid Day itself? So the first thing would be, I mean, you should really be doing this. You should have done this well in advance, Sadaqat al-Fitr, um, the Ozzakat al-Fitr. So if that's not been done, you need to give it before the Eid prayer. Um, the first thing would be to go and pray Eid. It's uh, wajib in the Hanafi schools, Sunnah Muakkad and the other schools. Especially for males, uh, for females, it's, it's it's fine if they want to, but it's, they don't have to. Um, so that's the first thing. the The thing is, on uh, on Eid morning, you should eat something before the Eid prayer, and in the other Eid, the Eid al-Adha, you don't eat something. So there's other way around. The reason you do that is in the morning of Eid is to it's a symbol that you're not fasting. So you uh, eat something in the morning. <coughs> you go to the Eid prayer Obviously the, the etiquettes of going to the Eid prayer Wearing your best clothes Etc Having an usal Perfume and so on um, And then after the Eid prayer It's about um, Seeing your family Speaking to people uh, Friends, community Giving congratulations And we should take the opportunity to always um, Try to mend Any family ties that have been broken over the years, Eid's always the best opportunity. It gives you the opportunity to go and visit somebody, um, to pick up the phone, to send a text message. Um, and then also, uh, if possible, get your neighbours or other people involved, maybe by giving them some food. Um, and there are a lot of people, like you said, who maybe don't have families. I mean, the hardest Eid's for me have been when I've been abroad because I've been on my own there's, there's no family uh, here my family's so big it takes me a whole day and in fact it doesn't <laughs> several days probably several days so <clears throat> it's not enough time but over there one of the things I had was I remember praying Eden, Eid prayer meeting a few people and I was like okay what do I do now <laughs> still got the rest of the day to um, kill so I do feel it for students I do feel it for converts um, for maybe people who don't have 
maybe um, obviously refugees, people that don't have um, families here. And really, as a community, we should be doing some community events for them. Not everyone's got a family. So maybe there should be like a community dinner or a community function that they can come to. Um, so the, the, I remember years ago, New to Islam used to do like a dinner for their converts, which is uh, all credit to him. Sheikh Abdul Aziz used to go to it. Fantastic idea. That kind of stuff, um, taking a bit of time out for people who maybe don't have, who might feel left out. Yeah, no, fantastic. No, I think it's so important that we need to be thinking about all sections of, of the community as well. Or even if you know somebody, I guess, you know, if you know a neighbour or a recent convert or a refugee or asylum seeker, maybe just being a wee bit more conscious and say okay maybe invite them around because there's always plenty of food to go around isn't there and there's yeah all, yeah absolutely but if you've got space in your heart really isn't it so mm-hmm. that'd be a nice thing to do Sheikh we've got a few minutes left and I, I don't know whether I should ask you this but are we allowed to talk about moon wars you can you can always ask me about anything I might not answer it but you might you not answer ask me about ever so um <laughs> Someone sent me this moon wars coming to a mosque near you. Well, it's here. So, uh, without getting into the whole bits and bobs of it, so the, the, there's the, always a discussion about when Eid is going to be. Now, I think it was slightly different this year, and a lot of mosques and institutions have already announced what day, you know, the start of Ramadan and towards the end. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that were, you know, still will announce the night before. Um, Somebody uh, was at one of the khutbas today and they said, well, you know, um, it's the responsibility of the of individuals in the congregation to decide, although the imams might announce it, it's the responsibility of the individuals to try and go with who they think is right. And, you know, one of the, they almost said, look, one of them's right, one of them's wrong. Uh, somebody might, you, you know, you might be doing Eid, on the days where you're not supposed to be, where you should be fasting, or you might be fasting on day of Eid. So, without going into the whole, going into too much depth, but can you just, I mean, how should people frame and understand this whole? So, I guess in Glasgow we're accepting there might be a difference, which is fine, and it's not totally unusual this year, but how do we deal with this inner turmoil we might have and say, look, you know, do we go ourselves and make a decision, or we pick where, who, which mosque we want? to or sit with our local mosque and then what if I have that suspicion that maybe I'm fasting on a day that should have been Eid or vice versa yeah, so look first of all <clears throat> this is not something which is just uh, particular to this year or this is a common reoccurring issue that's been going on for several years sometimes we, we manage to have Eid in one day sometimes we don't um, and it's not something unique to Glasgow it's, it's, it affects other other places as well. Uh, the, the thing is, I'm quite flexible in terms of from a layman's perspective. From a layman's perspective, Allah says in the Quran, Ask the people of knowledge if you don't know. So if you're a layperson, all like the Ramadan timetables, how are you going to know which one is right or one's wrong? You go with people who you trust. Whoever's, uh, if, it's, if it's your local mosque and that's who you follow and you believe in. Uh, that they're, uh, you know, they're they're sco- they're rightful people. They're scholars. It's fine. All of them for me. All those timetables are equally valid because they're all based on um, an un- their understanding of what is correct. And so, if you follow this, or you follow that. 
to for me, I, I, personally, I don't have an issue with it because for a lay person, they just follow their scholars, and if their scholars are are differing over it, then that shows you there's flexibility there. Um, now with the, the issue of of Ramadan, now there's um, in the past there's been two kind of main groups. One has been that we just go with the sighting. If someone cites it, doesn't matter what it is, we just go with the sighting. The other group was saying, yes, we go with the sighting as long as it's astronomically possible. If astronomy tells us it's not possible, then we will reject that testimony because one person can make a mistake, two people can make a mistake. Uh, and therefore, uh, that would just basically depend on whether it was possible to be seen. If it was possible to be seen, they would, do, they would agree with it. And those two camps are generally still there. Now we have a third camp. third camp is basically saying... <coughs> Based on um, previous years and you know split eeds and um, and, and uh, just the chaos it's causing, they said, "Look, it's time to come up with another strategy which does away with uncertainty." So they're going with with the calculation. So they're basically saying, if it's astronomically possible to be seen in the world, that's fine. And we're just going to go with it. So the, you know that data from from before. You don't need it. You don't need. You're not going to just know it on the day before Eid. You're going to know that well in advance. So they announced the beginning and the end in advance. So that's these are all these are all these are all perspectives, and there's obviously scholars in each camp. So um, from our perspective, rather than get into who's right and who's wrong. Who's arguing stronger? Who's not? For a lay person, to be honest, it's quite difficult for, to then to determine. They just go with whoever they feel they they trust, and they just go with it. That's it. Bismillah. I mean, if if end, if ends if ends up that some of your relatives are are doing Eid on a different day, you're doing an Eid on a different day. Just do Eid on two days. Then. I mean, I mean, if if you're doing it on Sunday, for example, and you and see some of your relatives are doing it Monday, what's stopping you going on the Monday and eating again? <laughs> But should you have the guilt that you might be thinking actually, I've uh, you know I've done Eid on the wrong day, so for example, so if you believe it's a, I should have kept an extra fast, and if I you believe it's you a, that inner if, you, if you believe it's the wrong day, then don't go on that day, go the next day. You know what I'm saying? So but if you don't, if you don't know, you're lay person. You don't, you're something. just following your local yeah. thing, and so you, you don't you you don't know, right? You just follow your scholars, then they'll think that one day's right and one day's wrong. Is that the wrong way to think about it? Is it to say actually I'm going with people at my local mosque or people that I trust? This is what they're doing. See, look, when it, comes to ij- when it comes to ijtihad, right, which is exerting yourself to come up with a, an answer, they say that um, the, the mujtahid always gets rewarded. If he's right, he gets two rewards. If he's wrong, he gets one reward because of the effort he's put in. So, what we've been, apl- we've been told, these are the sources, and it's an effort to come up with okay, what is the right approach? If people are differing on that, and these are not lay people, these are scholars are differing on it, imams, that shows you that it's not a clear-cut issue. There's different ways of looking at it. And so you are free to follow any of those positions that you feel is the closest to what what sits in your heart. Because there's a hadith that says, Ask fatwa from your heart, even if the mufti gives you the fatwa. So the mufti might say, it's... Eid tomorrow, but in your heart, nah, I think it's Monday. You know, it doesn't feel right to you. If it doesn't feel right to you, then go with what you you feel with. But the important thing is not to start arguing. The problem is that people argue about these things, 
Uh, people start arguing about these things at, on Eid, they start arguing about it in families. In fact, I used to get, um, uh, this, this used to really annoy me because obviously I'm a scholar and when people ask my opinion, but you'd spend like three days having the same conversation over and over again. You know, and you're like, well, how come we've not talked about, uh, I don't know, the drugs problem? Uh, 50 times, why are we keep talking about one th this thing? There's so many other things that we should be talking about, but yet we won't talk about any of those things. We just want to go on about Eid. And that, that's what I was going to just say, actually, although we've spent a few minutes on it, it's kind of, um, and it often pales into, uh, you know, into comparison in terms of when you think about some of the other topics we've been discussing over the last few weekends, you know, which is really literally cradle to the grave, you know, all these issues that people are facing that, you know, you often say these are big massive, you know, it's a big tsunami really hitting our day-to-day -day lives throughout the whole year, you know, when marriages are not working out, when people are having issues with childhood abuse, when people are, you know, dealing with elders and drugs, as you mentioned, so many of these things that almost, you know, that it's almost... I think for what you said before, it's almost a disproportionate amount of time and effort and angst and you know stress we spend on that that we don't lose you know you know we don't lose those sleepless nights worrying about these are the real big issues which are affecting families and communities and um, and 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 it's, it's all about reframing it, isn't it, and keeping things in context and um, seeing also what we can do about these other issues, isn't it, Sheikh, in terms of you know. We've talked a lot of times. There's so much work to be done in the community, and you know what can we influence as individuals, as listeners? What are we going to make? You know, what skills or talents do we bring to the table to say, actually, this is what I'm going to do to try and make some of these changes to people's lives? And if we just get so focused on about these other issues, which often pale into insignificance, then isn't yeah, it? I think I think people just got to get over it. Um, and you get people, but why can't everyone agree? Why can't you're like well? There's, you know, if you look at from the time of the Prophet Sallam up until now, there's been disagreement throughout Islamic history. Scholars have differed, Sahaba differed. Um, there's different schools of thought. There's different ways of looking at things. This has always been the case, and so you you have to uh, get, come to grips with the the fact that the, there's no, you know, um, there's, there's there's never going to be one approach that every single person is going to agree upon and therefore you have to just respect these things exist if we can make it work that's fine if we can't that's a failing it's definitely a failing but it's not the only failing that we have in the community there's a, there's a numerous failings that are going on so i just don't see the i just don't see why we can we always just focus on this one thing and then all the other areas which are also failings why we're we not focusing on them so you, you have to take things um, in proportion, you know, don't make it bigger than what it is. Yeah. If you, the, the 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 problem arises when you make it and you start arguing, don't argue with people. Let people be. If they want to do it, if if all your family is doing it one day and one member wants to do it another day, respect that person's wishes, respect that person's opinion, because this is this is that person's worship. This is between them and God. If they feel it's the wrong day, why are we forcing them? We shouldn't force anyone to do anything. This is between you and God. You should worship God. Uh, in a way that you feel comfortable with so if that one person doesn't want to break their fast and wants to fast I would I would respect that person respect that person by all means they can still come they can still visit you can do all those things you didn't eat just don't eat you can just eat at a later date 
Okay. So, Sheikh, um, we've been talking about a lot of different topics today, and the whole focus was preparing and maintaining some of these um, benefits in Ramadan for the whole year. Um, we've talked about various aspects in terms of these small habits, almost... I know you talk a lot about setting goals for yourself and you know trying to establish that. We've talked about repentance and tawbah um, and also you know a bit about Eid and how we celebrate it. So Sheikh, in the last few minutes, um, could you just um, give you sort of final words and reflection? So you know today's a night, you know potential night of power. We've got just a few hours left. You know whatever day Eid is, it's in the last couple of days. Um, what was your final advice to the listeners in terms of maximizing the benefit for the rest of Ramadan but also maintaining it for the whole year? Um, so I would just remind everybody that this is possibly the last night of this blessed month so we've got less than an hour uh, of this night left. Um, it could be the Laylatul Qadr because it's the 29th night so it's a time to as you're having suhoor um, to just do some final du'as and the, and the thing is du'a doesn't have you have to sit you have to sit and obviously it's better to be in a state of wudu and face a kibla you can, but the thing is you can actually be sitting at the table and just having a quiet conversation between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, but it's a time of being thankful that you've been you've you've been able to fast this month um, asking for Allah's forgiveness if there's any, been any deficiencies Asking him to show you another Ramadan, um, seeking forgiveness for yourself, for your family, the Ummah, um, and just being a grateful slave of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that you have this opportunity, this suhoor that you're having right in front of you, is a blessing, um, and this last day that you're going to now face of Ramadan possibly, uh, to make a, a good one, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Umran, any final words or tips from yourself? I don't like following the sheikh. The sheikh should end the show. But for me, it is what the sheikh has said. Whatever you can do, small, one line of Quran, whatever you can manage a day, you should try to implement that moving forward. So all these good habits we would have picked up, whether it's going to the masjid or re- reciting more Quran or doing more dhikr or staying up for um, qiyamul layl or you know tahajjud or duha, whatever it is try and do that regularly throughout the year it is a launch pad we can't sustain it for the entire year but we can try and make those small changes to make a big difference thank you very much so um hope people have had the opportunity to reflect and think about i guess um planning for the rest of the year tomorrow's show is going to be our last show and it's a bit of a special show in terms of we've got some very special guests and uh, hopefully it'll be a bit more light-hearted um, and it's called Let's Talk About Life so we've got a uh, bit of the old and the new in terms of guests so Sheikh Amr's joining us, Umran will be here um, many of you will know Naim Raza from way back in back in the day uh, Dr Nadeem Bhatti as well who's uh, certainly a lively character and uh, Ramiz as well if you ever tune into the Drive Time show and they've got this really fun show actually um, and he's uh, they do competition like guess the noise and stuff. So um, they'll be they'll all be in the studio. So we want this. There'll be an opportunity for you to call in as well. 
So it's a live call-in show. So some of our pre- previous shows, we haven't had that opportunity because our time has been so limited. But we really want to hear from you, the listeners, um, what's your reflection on Ramadan. But also, uh, we'll, we've got a few different topics that we want to discuss. But you can contribute as well. So if you go to our Facebook page, um, tell us what topics you think we should discuss. And there'll be... Uh, it could be anything and everything or just give us a call we'd really like to hear from you if you benefited at all from um, Radio Ramadan or Ramadan throughout the whole month then please do get in contact with us so it's called Let's Talk About Life there's a whole panel of people we've got more guests than microphones so it might be a bit rowdy Um, so Sheikh Amr, Naim Raza, Ramiz, Dr. Ndeeb Bharti, Umran and myself will be here tomorrow um, but please do let us know throughout the day um, tomorrow what topics you'd like covered and uh, and please do give us a call uh, tomorrow from half twelve but for now Jazakallah here for joining us please um, remember us in your du'as and we wish you all the best and we'll see you tomorrow inshallah but from all of us Assalamu Alaikum Assalamu Alaikum For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.